You've probably seen the image before, maybe on a church lawn or a famous painting, perhaps in a movie or maybe even on an Easter greeting card, you've seen the three crosses. One symbolizing the dying Savior, Jesus, and on both his sides, his right and his left, were two thieves. The Bible doesn't tell us much about the two thieves. We don't know where they were from. We don't know how old they were. We don't know what they did to deserve death, but we do know that both of them interacted with Jesus. One of the criminals, he looked at Jesus and he hurled insults at him. He said, you call yourself the Christ, you saved others. Why don't you save yourself and save us? The other one though, had a very short, very simple conversation that changed his eternity and it might just change yours. When the repentant thief looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at the criminal that only deserved death. And then Jesus said the most remarkable, grace-filled words in history when he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Welcome today to all of you on this Easter weekend at all of our Life Church campuses. We love you so much and we're honored to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior with you. At all of our network churches, it's truly an honor to partner with you and all over the world at Church Online. I just want you to know that you are not with us by accident, but we have been praying for you and believe this is a very important day in your life in your journey toward God. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you or if you have your mobile phone with you version, turn to Luke 23, all of our locations. And if I could get you all to participate with me for a moment, I wanna ask you a question and all of you to think about this. On a scale of one to 100, how good of a person are you? One is the lowest, the worst of the worst, the creepy, weirdo, loser, sinner, 100 is Perfect, Jesus never sinned. In case some of you are wondering, let me just make it clear, you are not 100. You may think you are, but you are not. To, to give you some perspective, uh, let's say uh, lower digits would be an ax murderer, um, Hitler, uh, people with five or more cats. You're on the lower digits, you know, one, two, three, four. Higher end, let's say Mother Teresa, let's say Billy Graham, uh, high 90s. Where would you rank yourself? One is the lowest, 100 is the highest. Do this for me if you would. All of our locations, uh, those of you at Church Online, you can just type in your number. Lean to the person to the left or lean to the person to the right and tell them right now how good of a person are you. What's your number? Tell them right now. Go. All righty, how'd you do? Some of you, you're trying to defend your number right now. You're going, I really am that good, aren't you? Let's just do this. Let's just get it out on the open, and, and can I get all of you to participate? Let's just go ahead, and, and I'm going to ask you some, if you fell in this range and you lift your hands. Uh, those of you that were 1 to 30, raise your hands up high now. Everybody, raise them up. Raise them up high. Lift them up high, 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 high. 1 to 30, 1 to 30. Lift them up high. Leave them up, if you will. 
Ushers, can you come remove these bad people from church? Get them out of here. You're too bad to be in church. Just messing with you. We're glad you're here, you lower end bad people. <laughs> 30 to 50, those of you that ranked yourself 30 to 50, raise them up. Raise them up. Leave them up if you will. Leave them up. Leave them up. I want to just look at you and tell you, you are on the lower end. And I know that makes you, leave them up. Leave them up. I know that makes you feel bad about yourself. You're not on the top half, but be encouraged. You are on the half that makes the top half possible. That would feel good. Uh, 50 to 80, raise your hands. 50 to 80, leave them up, leave them up. If you're sitting next to a 50 to 80 person, just tap them on the shoulder right now and say, you're a good person. You're just a, you're a good guy. You're a, you're a good girl. You're just a good person. 80 to 100, the cream of the crop, lift them up right now. Lift them up high. Come on. You're full of yourself. You shouldn't be embarrassed. 80, lift them up high. Lift them up high. You've always made us sick for our whole lives. You think you're so great. It's interesting and kind of funny to ask yourself, where do you rank compared to others? Let me give you just two real simple and real obvious thoughts about comparing. If you're taking notes, when you compare yourself to others, one of two things happens. The first thing is you often feel better about yourself. If you're sitting by someone that you think is not that good of a person and you compare yourself to them, you feel better about yourself. If on the other hand, you're sitting next to someone who seems to be a better person, if you're taking notes, you often feel worse about yourself. You compare to some people and you feel better. Uh, I'm a, I, you know, I don't cuss like they do or I'm not a bad person like they are. I tend to try to help people when they're in need. I, I give money occasionally to help out. I go to church every now and then. I'm, I'm generally a good person. I try hard. I've never killed anybody. I don't cheat on my taxes as much as most other people do. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. I compare myself to others. I think I'm, I'm, I, you make me feel good about myself. On the other hand, there are some people who just are so great when you compare yourself to them, you don't feel quite as good about yourself. You might feel uh, worse. You feel a little bit inadequate. For example, some of you, you might be a mom, and you've got that friend who's just like super mom. She's annoyingly perfect. You just, you know, her hair's perfect, her house is perfect, her kids are perfect, and you're like, how does she do that? She makes me feel bad about myself. I know I'm supposed to love her, and I do, but sometimes I secretly hate her guts because she makes me feel inadequate. Or it could be the guy financially that just Everything seems to work for him. You try so hard to get ahead. Whatever you do doesn't quite work. And he shows up with a new boat, a new house, a new car. And you know, how did, I, I, I don't feel as good about myself. Or it could be that you are sincerely a follower of Jesus. You, you want to please God by being a Christian. And, and yet you just can't seem to get it right. And you've got this other friend who's like mega Christian. The annoying person walks into the room and there's like this, <laughs> Someone has a hard time, and this person's like quotes a Bible verse for everything. You know, and the, the Bible says, like, how do they do that? That's annoying. I can't do that. And, and when they pray, their prayers are like so eloquent and powerful. You're thinking, if I were God, I'd be like, sure, what else do you want? You know? And, and you think, when I pray, I, I just don't sound like that. I, my prayers just aren't quite as good. I'm, I'm an ADD prayer. I pray. Dear God, Father in heaven, a bird. <laughs> Where was I? And, and, and you, you compare yourself with some people 
and you feel better about yourself. You compare yourself to others and think if they knew what I've done and about my thought life, I feel so inadequate. Here's a question for you. On a scale of 1 to 100, how good of a person are you? Hey, ladies, can I ask you guys a quick, quick question? We're trying to determine on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 meaning like the worst person who's ever lived, 100 being perfect. How would you rank your lives? Eight. <laughs> and eight? Yeah, what number would you give yourself based on how good you are? I'd give about a 50. Because I'm good, I'm in there. <laughs> uh, about a 45, something around there. What about you? Uh, probably about 50, yeah, right around there. So how come you're five better than him? Because I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm his better half, you know. Oh gosh, a 98 for sure. 98 is pretty good, what about you? around there, 95, 90 to 97. So you're going to let her be better than you? <laughs> She's always better than me. No. Now, how, how come you're you're higher than her? Um, oh gosh. I mean, She's just pretty cocky. No. So, like... <laughs> so would you really rank yourself that high? No. I mean, if we got deep down, 76. So you don't have to be specific, but what kind of stuff would kind of drive you down in your mind? You be malicious. And do stuff to get back at people. Revenge. Oh, yeah. Revenge. Right. Give, give me one example. What'd you do? Try to slice somebody's tires. She did. I didn't. <laughs> I was ready to go do it. And I almost ran over somebody because I was mad at them. Okay, just don't get mad at me, okay? A <laughs> hundred. Absolutely a hundred. I'm going to go like 88. Yeah. I'm going to go 75. So are you, stay, are you staying by a hundred? Are you really? Would you say she's a hundred? Yeah, she's a great girl. So you'd say, perfect in every way. You're as good as they get. Wait, one's the worst person? Yeah. Then I'm a 100. You're a 100, perfect okay. in every way. No, I'm an 85. You just dropped 15 points like that. Wait, wait, how I come? To, I had to consider the fact that I'm a college student, so there's things that I do that make me an 85. So you don't have to be real specific, but kind of generally, what, what would drive your score down in your mind? In my mind, I'd say partying, procrastinating on homework, not always doing my awesomeness because I'm lazy and tired from work and being a college student. You're a college student. That covers a lot. It, it does. Yeah, so if you're 100, what would drive you off of 100? Uh, we just all got flaws in our life. You know, no one's perfect, I don't think. So. Everybody but your buddy, right? Yeah, yeah. she's super sorry. <laughs> well, it's good to meet you. I've never met 100 my whole life. So. Thank you. Yeah, take care, man. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much. You gotta love that. So, how good are you, are you on a scale of 1 to 100? Where would you rank yourself? Luke 23, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at two people who are not so good who were hanging next to Jesus as he was giving his life for us on the cross. Luke 23, uh, starting in verse 32, here's what scripture says. The, the Bible says, two other men, both what? Everybody, could you help me out say this aloud? Two other men, both criminals. In other words, not good people. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with Christ to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified Jesus along with the, who, who, with him, the, the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. So let me just drive this home. Who were next to him? There were two criminals. These were not good people. Everybody say not good people. Not only were they not good people, but chances are very, very good that they were considered the lowest of the low in society. Let me explain. Uh, when Jesus lived, crucifixion was just one of many different ways to execute a person. 
Uh, in fact, it was the most expensive way to execute, and therefore it was reserved to do one of two things. One was to publicly humiliate someone, and the second was to, uh, to bring excruciating pain. In fact, the word excruciating, it literally means out of the cross, the word we use today for the worst type of pain, ex crucifix, out of the cross. And it was a very expensive way to execute because it would take at least four Roman soldiers, it would take a centurion, and it would take often several days for the person to die naked as the sun beats down on them. They start to go mad. The animals eat at their flesh, and it was used to humiliate and to torture the worst of the worst. It would be very rare for a Roman to crucify a Roman. Typically, Romans would crucify slaves, uh, Jewish slaves and others, for one, their crime, but secondly, for the type of person that they were. Uh, for Jesus to be crucified was a very bold statement to say, basically, you call yourself the king of the Jews, but you're really a slave in our eyes. And so first of all, we've got an insult to Jesus. Secondly, we've got Jesus by two criminals. We don't know what they did. We know it was probably bad, but they were also considered the lowest of the low in society. It was probably two slaves who committed some crime. So Jesus was hanging by what we would call the worst of the worst. Scripture goes on to say in verse 39 that one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? He continued, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, he's done nothing wrong. Then, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered this guy who could do nothing right, who couldn't make up for his sins, who only deserved death. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. This story, perhaps above all others, illustrates one of the most important truths in life and corrects one of the biggest misunderstandings in the world today. One of the most common misunderstandings in the world today is that good people go to heaven. We're not sure how good, it's, you know, maybe a 50 and above, maybe it's, maybe if your last 10 years have been better than your previous, we don't know where the tipping mark is, but most people today want to believe, I'm not as bad as others, I hope I'm good enough, if I try really hard and I'm a good person, at least sort of good, that good people will go to heaven. But this story illustrates perfectly that good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And there is a huge difference. Good people do not go to heaven because in reality, none of us are good. Scripture says God alone is good and all of us fall short of the standard of God. And the good news is good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. To heaven. Let's look today at the forgiven criminal and look at two things that would apply to our lives. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Number one, the forgiven one admits wrong. He says, hey, I've sinned. I've, I've done something wrong. Verse 41, he says, we're punished justly for we're getting what? Say it aloud. He said, we're getting what our deeds deserve. In other words, we have 
sins. What's interesting today is so many people don't want to admit to doing anything wrong. We compare ourselves to others. Well, sure, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than most. When we compare ourselves to other people, it's easy for us to rank ourselves perhaps above average. But when we compare ourselves to Christ, the 100, none of us are a 100. None of us are good people. In fact, I can remember you know, when I was a kid, people would tell me, you're a good kid, you're a good kid, you're a good kid. And the first time I realized that I was really sinful happened to be in church. It's kind of a weird and odd, semi-disgusting story, but very true. I was a little kid sitting there in the pew as the pastor was up in his robe doing the pastor thing, and I was fidgety. I'm a kid, you know, and I'm sitting in the seat, and I'm fidgety, and my mom or dad would do the death claw, and then give me the look, you know, and and, and so I was fidgety, and I got bored, and I, I realized there was a foreign object in my nose. That's the politically correct way to say there was a booger jammed up in my nose. That's my Easter version of saying there was a booger in there. So when you're a kid, you don't ever wait to get it out. Whenever you realize it is fair game. And so I just dug right in to get the booger out. And I'm in church, and when I, when I got the edge of it, it felt like a normal one, kind of a crusty, you know, just a very normal. But what I didn't realize is it was a comet one, one with a tail. You, you can't ever tell. And... The, it was a long tail, one of those, like, you know, like, and so I'm, I'm digging this thing out, and when I pulled it out, I got more than I ever bargained for, it's still coming, and I'm panicking, I'm a little kid in church with all this, this, this and so I just wrapped it up as fast as I could. Now, on a good day, you get a boogie out, you just do a clean roll and flick, and you're done. It, over and out, but I've got this largest stuff on there, so I'm panicking, I'm in church, with, and I just it did the instinctive, reflective thing you would as a kid. I reached beneath the pew and just wiped it on the first thing I could, thinking, oh, thank God, this is over, and immediately after this, as if God ordained it, he said to, to the, the pastor said to us, reach underneath the pews and pull out your pew Bibles, and sure enough, I reached down, and there was my booger on the Bible. I'm thinking to myself, if I was an 80, I'm now a negative 20. I'm certainly going to hell where the worm never dies, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I wiped a wet one on the word of God. I, I know that's disgusting. But at that moment, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I am bad. I am a bad person. I am not good. I've, that's got to be blasphemy. It's got to be one of the big ten commandments, you know. I am not a good person, and yet today, all over the world, we've got people convinced, I'm pretty good, I'm not a bad person, I'm better than most, I hope I'm good enough. Many of you, you feel that way, you, you, you hope you're good enough, and what I want to do today is I want to just actually prove to you, you're really not. I'm going to ask you just a series of questions. Ray Comfort asks a version of these. I'll give you my version. And, and if I could get everybody to participate, this is important. The first question, how many of you have ever told a lie? Raise your hands up. Just raise them up. All of our campuses, raise them Leave them up, if you will. Leave them up. Find the people whose hands are not up right now. Look at them and say, liar. <laughs> liar, big fat liar. Okay? So th this is obvious, but help me out. If you've ever told a lie, what are you? You are a liar. 
this is kind of a personal question, but I'll ask it anyway, and I'll just tell you, I have stolen something. Back before I was a Christian, I would shoplift and stuff, and, you know, just be honest. How many of you have ever stolen something? Raise your hands. Lift them up. Lift them, leave them up. If, if you're not a tither, you steal every week, so lift up the other one, okay? Oh, Easter. Did he say that? Did that just come out low, low? So if you've, if you've ever stolen something, what does that make you? It starts with a T-H-U-R-A. Thief. Here's a personal one. Don't raise your hands. I really don't want to see your hands, but I want you just to show me your eyebrows. Just give me a little, <laughs> if this is you. How, no hands up. How many of you have had a lustful thought before? <laughs> just, do, just give me an eyebrow. Just come on. Lustful thought? Just lustful. I don't want anybody else to see. Lustful thought. One old boy's going... New Testament, Jesus said, if you look lustfully at a woman, who knows what he said you've done? He said, you've committed adultery in your heart. According to Jesus in the New Testament, if you've ever looked or thought lustfully, you're, you are an adulterer. I, I wonder how many of you have ever put something ahead of God? Just be real honest. You put anything ahead of God in your life, raise your hands, raise your hand. What do you think that would make you? That would make you an idolater? So... Let's just go ahead and, and call it what it is. If you've done all these things, and most people have, you are a lying, thieving, adulterous idolater. <laughs> Welcome to Easter weekend at Life Church, where we're here to make you feel good about yourself. Okay? You, you're not a good person when you compare yourself to the standard of God. In fact, the Bible is so clear. James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For the person who keeps all of the laws except how many? Just, help me again, that was really weak. That, you're, you're like a bad person for not doing better than that, okay? <laughs> to, to try again. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. If you've done one thing wrong, in God's eyes, you're as guilty, your sin separates you from him as much as if you've broken all of them. It doesn't matter if you're a 12, a 48, a 72, a 99.999. We've all fallen short and we are not good in our own behavior and morals before God. The forgiven criminal, he admits wrong, I've sinned. I've done something wrong. The second thing that he does is the forgiven one asks for eternal help. Now, don't miss this. Both of the criminals ask for help. And a lot of people today, when it comes to God, they may not be sure if there is a God, but if there is one, they certainly want God to help them out in this life. The first one does that. Jesus, if you're the Christ, save yourself, and hey, while you're at it, save us too. In other words, God, if you're there, make my life better. Heal my grandmother of cancer. Help me get the promotion. Help me get the date. Uh, help me buy the house. Give me the right. God, if you're there, help me now. But the forgiven one asked for help eternally. Here's what he said. Verse 42 and 43. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me 
and paradise. Check this out. Both thieves were guilty. Both were suffering severely. Both were dying. Both needed a savior. Both heard and saw the same things during those fateful six hours. One was forgiven and one wasn't. And the reality is, Every single one of us, we are one of two thieves. The amazing thing to me is there will be those of you, you'll sit side by side today, side by side. One of you, your eyes are going to be open spiritually. You're going to call on Christ. You are going to be forgiven for everything you've ever done. You are going to be totally transformed. You are going to be brand new spiritually and your life on earth and eternally will never ever be the same. And sitting right by you will be someone else who will hear the same things, have the same need, and go, check, Easter service done. Where are we going for lunch? And nothing's going to happen. Both with the same need and the same opportunity. And one is transformed. And one leaves exactly the same. You are one of two thieves. It doesn't matter what number you are. Here's the deal. Because of what Jesus did, his death and his resurrection, no matter what your number, he makes up the difference. If you're an 82, he's the missing 12. If you're a 12, he's the missing 82. He makes up for the difference. If we're going to be technical, technically we're all a zero. Technically he is 100. And when you call on him, you become a 100, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. You become a 100. For those of you who are in Christ, you are not a 79 or a 3. You are a 100. You are declared righteous because of what he did for you on the cross. The Bible couldn't say it any more clearly than this. Romans 3, uh, verse 20 through 22. The Bible says, therefore, how many people? Everybody say it aloud. Therefore... Say it again. Therefore, no one, not a single person will be declared righteous in God's sight by doing what? By observing the law. You put out the Ten Commandments. There's not a person who's going to go, one, two, three, five, ten, check, 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 got them all. What's the purpose then of the law? Rather, though, the Bible says, through the law, we become conscious of sin. The law is not there for us to say, oh, I did it all. The law says you can never do it all. You need a Savior. Here's the good news. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from the law, a righteousness apart from your behavior has been made known. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to whom? The Bible says to all who believe. This righteousness is from faith, not works. It's from faith in Christ, not works. It's not from religious activity. It's not from joining a church. It's not from being good enough. It's not from not being bad enough. It's from faith in Christ. Check this out. The forgiven criminal on the cross, look at this. He couldn't do any good works. His hands were bound. He couldn't turn over a new leaf. His feet were nailed to the cross. This guy couldn't give money to some organization because he couldn't get down. He couldn't start over and say, from now on I'll always or I'll never. He couldn't do anything but trust in the grace of Christ. Saved by 
faith in him, not by works. Because the reality is this. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And it is because of what Jesus did on the cross when he gave his life and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died. And three days later, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And for centuries, people on this weekend have declared, the minister would say, he is risen. And the people of God would say, he is risen indeed. I declare to you today, we can be forgiven because he is risen. And you would say, he is he is risen, and you would say, our sins are forgiven. We can be in Christ. You are not a 22 or a 72. You are a 100 because he is risen, and you would say, that is why we can declare his word boldly, 1 Peter 1.3, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, we didn't earn it, we couldn't deserve it. In his great mercy, he has given us into that new birth, a living hope through the what? Everybody, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The bottom line is, you're one of two thieves on one of two crosses. Though the repentant thief was hanging on a cross with spikes through his hands and through his feet, though he was fighting for every breath, though his life was slipping away, he saw something the other thief missed. When he looked at Jesus, something in his heart changed. We don't know when it was or what caused it. Maybe it was the way that Jesus endured the senseless beating or the torture without ever striking back. It could have been when Jesus hung on the cross, looked toward heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. It could have been when the sun and sky went dark at noon. It could have been simply a look as Jesus glanced his way and he saw his unconditional love. Or it could have been that the criminal had heard the stories that Jesus actually loved and befriended sinners. Though we'll never know what it was, we do know that he experienced the love of God through Jesus Christ. When he could do nothing to make things right, with faith, he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus looked at the dying criminal and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. Let's all pray together. God, I, I ask that somehow by the power of your Spirit, that eyes would be opened to see the truth of the sacrifice, the death, the shed blood, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. As you're praying today at all of our locations, those of you at Church Online, some of you right now, you are believers in Jesus, you are, you are Christians, 
but yet you still feel like you're under the weight of your sin. You feel inadequate. You maybe feel some guilt. You, you feel like there's condemnation, like you're not good enough. I want to pray for you today if that's you. If, if that's you at all of our locations, would you just lift up your hand right now? Just lift it up and say, yes, I do. I, I feel inadequate at times. I feel like I'm not good enough. There's hands going up all over. God, I, I pray. I pray the truth of your word that just says that now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. God, I pray that the truth of your word would penetrate deep into our souls and that we would realize, God, that, that because of what you did in your eyes, we are a 100. That there, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter the sin that we're battling with today, they are forgiven because of the blood that Jesus shed. I pray, God, today, that those who are carrying the, the weight of the past sin or the, the, the feelings of inadequacy today, God, that just like Jesus stepped out of the empty tomb, that they would step out of the tomb of condemnation and that, God, whoever the Son sets free would be free indeed. Set them free today. Oh, God, set them free. As you keep praying today, I, I just want to just listen. No, no, nobody looking around, but just listening really carefully. There are many of you that God brought here specifically for this moment. You've gone through life like I did growing up thinking, I, I hope I'm good enough. Have I done too many bad things? Have I done enough good things to make up for it? I hope I'm good enough. And I pray today that you realize you're not and you, you never will be. That there's not a single one of us good enough. That all of us have sinned and we fall short of the standard of God. And here's the beauty of the good news, the gospel. Jesus died to make up the gap. The reality is that we're all really a zero. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. None of us are even close to qualifying. But Jesus, as the perfect son of God, he shed his blood so that we could live. Many of you, you've wondered, where do I stand with God? How could I ever know? Guess what's going to happen today? Today, you're going to throw yourself on his mercy, and in your own words, you'll pray a prayer, Jesus, take over forgive me, save me, and here's what he's going to do. He is going to forgive you every sin you've ever committed. He is going to take up residency in your life. You're going to become a spiritual being filled with his Holy Spirit, and you will never be the same. At all of our campuses, there are those of you, you know this is you. Today is the day of your salvation. You're going to call on him. You recognize I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. That's why it's the good news. Jesus was good enough. I trust him. I can't be made right by my good works or by my religious activities, but only by faith in him and faith alone. At all of our campuses, there are those of you who would say, that is me. Today I call on you. I trust you, Jesus. Forgive me transform me. I give my whole life to you. Jesus, take over now. Save me. I give it to you. That's you today. All of our campuses, lift your hands high right now. Lift them up and, and leave them up. Let me just meet you eye to eye. So right back here, God bless you and ma'am right there and up here close, both of you together. Praise God for you and right back there, both of you right back here toward the back and all, all over here as well. Right back up here, sir. Welcome into God's family. Others of you who would say me too, both of you right back here in this middle section, Right up here, man, welcome to you, my friend. And right over here, and you as well. And right there, sweetheart, God bless you. Both of you, right back over here. Sir, man, I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your eyes. Faith, right back over here. Save me. Others of you, I, I just, I want to look you in the eye and welcome you across the line into the family of faith. Others today would say, me too. Jesus, take over. Right back here toward the back. God bless you. Others of you today, right back here. Yes, transform me. Jesus alone, not works 
not religion. Jesus alone, save me. Others of you, way back over here as well, others of you today, transform me right back here in this middle section toward the back, right back here, way back over there, and all the way to the back, right over here on this side, right here as well. Sir, God bless you. Others today, right here in this middle section, others of you, say yes, Jesus. Pray aloud, everybody together, right back over here as well. Pray aloud, everybody. Pray, Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, save me, forgive me, make me brand new. I believe you died for me so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could follow you always. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Life Church, would you worship the risen Christ? Would you welcome those today born into his family? He is risen, and you would say...